What's up, buddy? Welcome to episode 386 of the Talking Fire podcast and YouTube show. The day has finally come. Fernando Tatis Jr. makes his return. His PED suspension is over. 80 games have been served, and he returns later tonight to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight in Phoenix. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of Padres fans there. So uh, we'll definitely get into the Padres Braves series that just happened, but obviously the focus for today is Fernando Tatis Jr.'s return. He is one of the best players in baseball. He is one of the best players, obviously, on this team. He is just such an exciting, energetic talent that he, someone that you just can't keep your eye off of. And we've been without him in a meaningful baseball game for a long time long time so it feels great to know that fernando's name is gonna be in the lineup later tonight i'm ben fadden here in talking cars episode 386 i appreciate everyone for being here if you want to join the show i have that pin uh, that pin con up there in the chat uh if you want to give your thoughts on fernando's return or this padres braves here you can do it there you can do it in the chat when you use the super chat button i'll definitely make sure i get to all of your super chats uh, them on the screen for the YouTube audience, uh, the podcast audience. Obviously, I definitely appreciate you. Um, let's see here. Tyler, the king, has returned. Alex says it feels like Christmas. Yeah, Tatis Moss. Uh, Devin, the wait is over. Fernando is back. Johnny, there you go. Super chat. Thank you so much. So excited El Nino is back. And I agree. Yeah, I, I think, Johnny, that's pretty much how all Padres fans feel. Look, there might be some people that aren't the biggest fans of Fernando Tatis Jr., and they were really disappointed in Fernando when that PED suspension happened. And I was one of them. I was very disappointed in Fernando when that suspension came down. But I know that this guy, he's sorry. He has already said that. And he's done everything to try to earn back the fans' trust Bob Melvin's trust, the Padres organization's trust, his teammates. He's done everything right. He had the surgeries when he didn't want to have them. He had multiple surgeries, right? He came in early in Pet into Petco Park early on this year, way before spring training started. He was one of the first people to report to spring training. So he is showing that he is dedicated and he wants to do his part. And he was motivated last year, sitting on his couch, watching the Padres have the most success that they've ever had since 1998 without him. So that was motivation. And he doesn't want to let people down again. He let a lot of people down last year with the mistake that he made. A lot of people down. He does not want to make that mistake again. And I think a lot of Padres fans that were disappointed with him then, we're not going to forget that. But we're super, super excited for him to return tonight. Because he is a game changer. Just go look at quotes from Jake Cronenworth, from Nick Martinez, and how pumped they are. Xander Bogart's talking about how 
He's only seen Fernando on MLB Network, right? In these regular season big spots and the energy he brings to a team. Spring training is totally different. He's only seen it as a fan, right? Now he gets to be in the same dugout and be a teammate with Fernando. He's excited about this. Bob Melvin tonight gets to manage Fernando Tatis Jr. in a meaningful baseball game for the first time in Bomel's managerial career. And it's the first game, obviously, Tatis is playing for him. So both guys are super excited about it. Everyone is excited about this moment. And it feels like Christmas Day. It does. I'm not someone that gets super into Christmas presents. Like, I like New Padre stuff. Yeah, I like, like that. But I'm not someone that's sitting there wishing for a bunch of stuff. My Christmas is like opening day. It's today, Fernando's return. The big games, right? October. You know, all the playoff games there, especially Padres postseason games, right? Like that is where it's at for me. The All-Star game, home run derby, stuff like that, right? And today is one of those days where it's easy to get up and you're excited all day and you cannot wait for tonight in Arizona, Padres Diamondbacks. I cannot wait. I'm sure all of you cannot wait. So that's going to be super, super exciting. Um, Flygod97. Okay, I think you guys have me here. Flygod97 says Tatis is homering in his first game back. I mean... Kevin Acey put out something in his Padres newsletter today about Tatis and his first game back. I think he has a hit, at least one hit, in every single return game from him, like off the IL, something like that. So, yeah, I'd expect a big night for him. I don't think that's going on a limb to say that. Devin says, over 400 days since the last time we saw Fernando in a, on a major league field. Crazy. Yeah. What was his last game? October of... 2021 it's a long time ago long time ago there's a lot that has happened since then a lot john says arizona decided to capitalize on this tickets jumped by 20 to 30 dollars at chase field i mean i don't blame them i mean did you guys see the yankees the other day because otani's in town in new york in the bronx they're sh- they're selling otani jerseys at yankee stadium not outside from like vendors no, like inside the stadium, it seemed. I, I think I saw that on social media. So they're not afraid to take advantage of other players that are not on their team. And for the Padres, if Fernando was coming back and he's like a star player for the Giants instead of the Padres or a star player for the Diamondbacks and he's making his return to Petco and you're seeing a ton of Diamondbacks fans or Giants fans want to come to Petco, maybe the Padres would raise prices because I know they do that. For the bigger games, they raised the prices in the park at uh, Gallagher Square. They raised prices in a lot of spots. So Ryan Nelson is on the mound for the Diamondbacks tonight. So he's probably not very happy that his next start is tonight and it's the return of Fernando. He's probably like, dang, he couldn't have been suspended for one more game. Devin says, anticipate cheers and boos. Pedro, what are we predicting? One, two, or three home runs going with two blasts? Yeah, I mean, 
baseball is hard. Hitting a home run is hard. So I'm probably not even going to predict any home run, but I'm going to predict him to at least get an extra base hit, maybe single into a double. I, don't, I have high expectations for Tatis for the season, but if he gets off to a slow start here, and I know we have even higher expectations right out of the gate, right, because of how well did in El Paso. But I'm trying to keep my expectations a little bit met because major league pitching is different from minor league pitching. And he could just slump right out of the gate. He did that, I think, in 2021. But then look how you're ended, right? He led in home runs and one of the best players in baseball. And he wasn't even healthy, right? He, he had, like, one arm healthy. So we should have high expectations for Fernando. I just don't want anyone to freak out over one game tonight if he goes over and strikes out at times. You know, it's for the world game. His opening day is today. The Padres had theirs on what? What was that? March 30th or whatever, whenever opening day was. And I look at the Padres team, they need Fernando back, right? Like, I said this on my post game thoughts yesterday. Um, like, it's probably not the best thing to have all this pressure on Fernando because it feels like there's more pressure on Fernando now entering his return year than there might have been if the Padres were scoring a ton of runs because the Padres, they're 9 and 1 right now. You know, the last, what, three games, they've scored one run, I think. Or what, is it one run or two runs? Last three games, two runs. They scored one run yesterday, one run the night before that, no runs. Last four games, they've scored two runs because they got shut out two games in a row. The last game of the Milwaukee series and then the first game of the Atlanta series. So the offense just isn't clicking right now. And it feels weird to say, like, if I would have told you, yeah, we're going to be needing Fernando when he comes back because we're going to be under 500, I uh, maybe... to some of the games that the Padres have had. Some of, you know, it's, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. But I believe in the talent on this team. I don't think we should be blaming the slow start on Bob Melvin. It's not on him. It's on the players. With that said, I think the players will turn it around. I mean, Juan Soto, he's going to turn it around. I just believe that. Jake Cronenworth, he's going to continue getting better at the plate. He started off slow. Uh, Manny. He almost hit a home run yesterday. Uh, it got robbed by the center fielder. Totally reminded me of the Adam Jones moment, right? Um, Bogarts, he's probably not going to be that hot all year long. I don't think he's going to get on base every single game, 162 games he's going to get on base. He's gotten on base in every game this year so far. 20 games in, he's gotten on base every time. Hasn't gotten a hit in every game, but walk, hit by pitch, something like that. He's always He's getting on every game. So... The offense needs him, uh, but other guys needs other guys need to take some pressure off of Fernando by being more consistent at the plate. Devin asks, "Do you expect Fernando to steal bases?" Uh, probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets on first and makes Nelson pick over once, and he's like, "All right, I'm just going to go." I could definitely see that. Also, do you expect him to throw someone out from right field? 
I don't know about tonight. I mean, Arizona's pretty fast. I don't know if this is the team you like place a bet on, you know, to for Fernando to throw someone out. I don't know if he All right, I think I'm back, even though the, the screen's messed up. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, the, the chat's a little bit delayed. I just want to make sure that I'm good to go. So in the chat, let me know that you can see me. Sorry for the podcast audience. You can just skip ahead. But my internet, I thought my internet was going to start working because I moved it closer to where I am, but I guess not. So I'm just going to wait for the chat to tell me that they can hear me, that I'm good, and then I'll, re I'll resume. Okay, we're good. All right, thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Devin. All right, so Padres-Braves, just some reaction to these three games. Padres, they obviously lost the series, but they won yesterday. They didn't score a ton of runs yesterday, but a win will take it with how bad the offense is right now. It's just inconsistent, right? You had that 10 game, 10 run game against the Milwaukee Brewers, and then you get shut out. Then you get shut out again. Then you score one, and you score one. Run. So I guess these last like four games, the Padres have been consistent on offense. They just haven't been consistently producing, they've been consistently underwhelming, right? In uh, yesterday, we'll go from yesterday and then move back to Monday, just because yesterday's game was the most recent one that happened. So, one nothing. Nick Martinez, I mean, pitched his butt off. He does not want to go into the bullpen. And he did not have the best starts the first couple times, first few times, right? But yesterday, seven is a warp. I mean, he, he looked like a totally different guy. Had a couple walks, but it wasn't three or four walks like he was having in previous outings. Gave up just three hits, struck six. The seven innings, no runs part, obviously, is the most important. And had some really good defense behind him. But you got to give a lot of credit to Nick, too. Got a lot of, like he a lot of ground balls. Uh, and especially when it's a, I know it's a day game, day game after a night game, blah, blah, blah. The Birds offense is so freaking talented that it, that is hard to go seven innings and not give up any runs. That's a hard thing to do. Oh, I don't think this is last we'll see Nick in the rotation. Maybe this is his last part in the rotation. Maybe he goes down bullpen and the Padres ride with Lugo for now. And then middle of the year or something like that, they have them switch spots and they have Lugo go to the bullpen and Martinez be called up uh, to the rotation because I think that's a smart thing to do. I don't think Lugo and Martinez are going to be 
in the rotation, one of them. I don't think they're going to be in the rotation the whole year. Lugo has not been in the rotation full-time since like 2017, and those were only, I think, 18 starts. It wasn't like he started 30 games. And Nick Martinez, last year, he wasn't in the rotation the whole year. He went to the from the rotation to the pen. So both guys, it's not like they're coming off a year where they were in the rotation the whole year. And I know they're built up, but the Padres are probably going to want to protect those guys because those guys are going to be important. Come postseason time, you know that Lugo, if he's in the pen, he's going to be important there. If he's in the rotation, starting in game four of an NLCS, he's going to be important there. Martinez, wherever he is, you know he can be important in the bullpen. Look what he did in the playoffs last year, you know? So both guys, they need to stay healthy, I think. Um, and the Padres, they're going to make sure that they, or at least they can't make sure like 100%, but they're going to try their best, try to control the innings, I think, for Lugo and Martinez. But what an outing from Nick. A couple, a few really. There was that double play, I think, early on, right, with Manny. And then he made a couple plays. Best third baseman in baseball is usually what I caption these plays, these highlights when I tweet them out on Instagram or Twitter at Talking Friars. Either Manny being Manny, uh, or best third baseman in baseball. And I got to use both of those yesterday because he made two great plays. First one, it was in kind of like the 5-5 five, five hole or kind of like two shortstop. Bogarts, I think, was just playing over more towards second. And he, he fields it, spins. As he's spinning, he's going towards like center field, left center, the gap. He's spinning and throws it perfectly to Crony. And post-game... He was saying, like, it's pretty easy, you know, it's pretty simple. Just spin, pick a target, and throw. But he's had a lot of reps with that. So it's not like someone, you know, one of you guys listening, unless you play every day, could just go out there and execute that play. You know, it's just harder than that. Um, it's harder than he makes it look. He makes it look super easy. Then later in the game, he has, I think it was an inning or two later, might have been the seventh inning. I forget. He bare hands a ball and makes a great throw. Like, he, I could watch that guy all day. I'm just, whenever he makes those plays, and then he almost homered yesterday, right? It just, it, it always makes me grateful that, man, we get to have Manny Machado on our team for the rest of his career. We're going to have him for, what, 15 years in total? right? 11 plus the five, so 16, 16 years, something like that. Maybe more. Maybe if he wants to continue playing, I don't know. He, he loves Nelson Cruz, so he's, he's inspired by him. And it seems like he keeps himself in amazing shape. I've had his trainer on multiple times on this show. He's a great guy. Uh, they keep every offseason, him and Manny, Nick Soto, Manny's trainer, they formulate a plan going into every offseason. How was last season? How did you feel going into the last season? How did the season go? What do we need to do? Maybe adjust our planning in the offseason, adjust our training. Uh, what do we need to do to continue allowing Manny to be at this level of greatness, right? So they're not going to stop just because he got his money, you know? Um, and if the Padres go win the World Series this year, I, I don't think Manny's going to go stop uh, and be like, all right, I'm, I won a World Series. I'm satisfied, whatever. No, he, he wants to be regarded as one of the best third basemen of all time. And in order for him to do that, 
he's got to keep doing this at an elite level um, for probably the majority of his contract. Um, Because, you know, the Nolan bias is, it's there in the national media. I know Nolan's a great third baseman, but there's always going to be that bias. Unless Manny blows Nolan out of the water, there's always going to be that bias that Nolan, yeah, he's easily the best third baseman in baseball. Um, I, I just don't, I don't believe that, but in order for that to change, Manny has to be really good consistently, and I think he's motivated to do that. He's, he got up to a slow start, but I loved the quote that he had. I think it was after game one in this series when the Padres lost 2 nothing. It was their second straight shutout, and he said, I'd rather have this happen now than down the road. It's just don't jump on the bandwagon later on. Don't jump, uh, don't jump on the bandwagon later on when we start effing raking and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. I love that. That's, that's what a leader should be doing, right? Having confidence in himself, having confidence in his team. Like, no, we got this. It's early in the year. Don't listen to what the media is saying. Don't listen to what Padre, emotional Padres fans that are reacting in the moment. Don't listen to what they're saying on Twitter. Who cares? Don't listen to them. We can control what we can control. And all we can control is what's going to happen today and later on this season, right? Just take it day by day. It's the beginning of the year. Like, we just started this thing. We've got a long way to go. So he has confidence in this team. That's what a real leader does. And don't mistake this Manny quote. You know, don't jump on the bandwagon later on when we start effing raking. Don't, don't, uh, take this quote like the wrong way because I know there's some people that thought well didn't he say earlier this year that he likes the booze and he likes being held accountable and now he's telling fans to uh don't don't come back on the bandwagon if you're not on it now right like don't come back on uh you know it's like and some fans thought of that like oh so he thinks that we're off the bandwagon like why are you saying that of course we're on it. No, don't take it like that. He's saying the people, not the people that are just frustrated like we are about the Padres offense, the Padres team. He's talking about the people that are saying uh, like Juan Soto's not worth this money. Um, Bomel, I haven't really seen this, but maybe maybe he's seen people think that Bomel should be fired or people that are saying this Padres team can't go win the World Series. The way, you know, Look at them. They can't go win. They're already disappointing us. Like those people that are already like, they have the mentality of like, season's over, they're, give, they're giving up on the team. Those people. Those, the ones that are frustrated and if you want to boo at Petco, he does, he's not mad at those people. At least that's my view on it. So don't confuse the quote there with um, him like not wanting to be held accountable or anything like that. He definitely... He, held, he holds himself accountable. He, his teammates probably hold him accountable, right? There's a lot of leaders in that clubhouse, so they're going to be fine. I love the quote from Manny. He's the captain, leader of this team, um, and yeah, I, I think they should continue having that confidence uh, because it's going to turn around. It's just a matter of time. So uh, Monday... Well, let's get to Tuesday first. So yesterday, obviously, Padres won nothing. Tuesday, they lost eight to one. They had a twenty-five inning scoreless streak. 
But Ryan Weathers pitches butt off, huh? I guess. That's or was that? No, no, no. That was that was Monday. My bad. These days, sometimes I forget the day of the week, who pitched what game after these series. Tuesday was uh, snow on the mountain. He didn't even pitch that bad. He usually pitches better at home than on the road. He didn't go six or seven innings or anything like that. That'll come later this year. It's based on track record. He went innings. Um, three hits, two earned runs, walk three, so walks could be lower than that. Still, uh, punched out high, gave up a home run, but like felt like the game was gonna be over uh, in like the fourth inning when it was two nothing because the Padres just weren't scoring; they were not coming through with um, runners in scoring position. Let's look at the team runners: one for seven Padres with team. Uh, the team runners in scoring position number on Tuesday. And that's not even as bad as it has been, right? I think it was Sunday. They were like over 10. Um, four hits. Hard to win a game and you score one run and you have four hits, right? And that one run was driven in by Juan Soto. It was another ground out. He keeps rolling over. And yeah, it just continues to be frustrating, right? It's just frustrating that he continues to roll over uh, on balls that you think that he's going to smash. He homered yesterday. So like I said in my post-game reaction yesterday, hopefully that can turn it around. But yeah, it's definitely been a struggle. Uh, he's telling the media that he feels great, feels fine. He's in San Diego. Um, you know, the weather's great, blah, blah, blah. But it just feels like, I mean, obviously something's not right there. And I believe that he's doing whatever he can to, to go fix it. Definitely. He's, he's going to work his butt off. Continue, he's going to continue to work his butt off in the cages to go fix it. We're all just waiting for that time to see like, oh, okay, these last three games he has a hit, a hit or multiple hits in every game, and then we'll kind of know, all right, well, seems like he's he's back now, right? We saw a little bit of it in the postseason. He slumped coming over to the Padres, and he's gotten off to a slow start here. His ground ball rate entering yesterday's game, 56.5%. Over half of the time, he's hitting the ball on the ground. Soto, at least for me, he's continuing to walk. So I like that. He's con continuing to get on base when the bat's not going, right? So I, I still continue to like that about Soto. I know some people, they don't want to hear that. Ben, shut up, walks. Like, we don't pay him to walk. Uh, that's not worth, we're not paying someone $500 million to walk. Like, he's not worth that, blah, blah, blah. The hitting will come around. I, I'm, I'm someone that appreciates the walk. Sure, do you want him to hit 30 home runs and drive in 100. Yeah, of course. But if he's going to get on base with the talent that's in this lineup, I think he will be scoring a lot of runs and he will help the team that way. Sometimes when his bat is not going. And then when his bat is going, just imagine how great of a player and how much production he's going to bring to this Padres team, right? So Soto's ground ball rate entering yesterday, over half of the balls in play, 56.5%. Eric Hosmer was 68.6, 68.6, 56.5 for Soto. So 
That's not that far away from Eric Hosmer. So that just shows how out of whack Soto has been to start off the year. But I think we can all agree, like, maybe not all of us, maybe there are some that think that Soto's just another Eric Hosmer, which I totally disagree with that. Um, I think we can agree Soto is totally different than Hosmer. You know, Soto's 24. And I think he's willing to adapt and he's working his butt off to try to fix things. Eric Hosmer, he was someone that, you know, got his money and he was like admitting that, no, it's my way or the highway, essentially. Like, no, I, I got here. I got all this money. I've had this success the way I'm, I've done it. So I'm not going to really change. With Soto, I mean, he has $500 million potentially on the line, you know? Um, he wants that contract. He is motivated for that. So he's not going to just stop working uh, and settle for, you know, I'll, I'll take 300 instead of 500 you know? And he, and he just wants to win, period. Right? Like, he's not only doing this for the money. He's some that wants to win. That really care. He hit that home run yesterday. Not a bomb, by the way. See how pumped up he was as he was looking to the dugout as he was going to first? He cares. So I gotta get that out there. Of course he cares. Anyone that thinks doesn't care, whatever, I don't know. He cares. Some people think, well, he's just playing for the contract. Well, even if he is, if we don't sign him back, then as long as he produces, I don't care what the motivation is, as long as he produces and he keeps working, all right, I'm fine with that. So Tuesday, disappointing, obviously. Scoring one run, and it was on fielder's choice. It wasn't like a, a homer or a gapper. Uh, frustrating, frustrating. You know, Monday was frustrating because Ryan Weathers pitched his butt off. This guy has done nothing wrong. I was telling Tim Haggerty on episode 385 is available on YouTube, podcast platforms. My interview with him, he uh, El Paso Chihuahua's broadcaster. And he saw a lot of Ryan Weathers when he was struggling last year. And he talked about Ryan Weathers and how he really tried to fix things this offseason and looking at a lot of video and all that. And it has worked. He has done nothing wrong. Ryan has done nothing wrong here for the Padres. Nothing. He has done nothing wrong to be out of the rotation, right? I don't see him being sent down. I think that he's going to move to the bullpen when Musgrove gets activated. Have Musgrove come in, maybe it's a five-man rotation, so it'll be Weathers and Martinez or Lugo that'll go to the bullpen. I think that's how we could see it. And Ray Kerr would go down because he just came up for Chris Matt. And then... Who else is in the bullpen right now? Uh, would anyone else have to be sent now? Because you're only you're moving two guys into the bullpen. Yeah, no one would have to be sent. No one else, I don't think. Because two two guys to the bullpen, and then you're just putting Musgrove in. He's the only one that has to replace someone. So yeah, I think that's probably what you're going to see when Musgrove comes back. I did see something in the chat about. Uh, what the roster move for today could be. And I think that you will see 
not Brett Sullivan. Um, I don't know if they want to have a Zokar go down, to be honest. I think it would probably be Brandon Dixon because he's on the roster right now, right? Because he got called up, I believe. I want to be totally accurate on that, so I'm going to look this up real quick. Padres depth chart, I believe Dixon's on there. So who could be sent down? Odor, Azokar, or Brandon Dixon? It would be Dixon, then, I would think. Because I don't think they want to have Odor go. Because he can play infield, he can play outfield, he's a lefty bat. And, I mean, Azokar, the speed, right? I think that has to be appealing in late-game situations. And he's, he's good on defense, too. Maybe you see Padres have a big lead as Zokar comes in for Soto defensively or something like that. You could see that. I think Dixon will go down today. But yeah, getting back to Monday, I mean, weather six innings, two runs, five punch outs. His ERA is 281. So yeah, like I said, he's done nothing wrong. But Musgrove, obviously, he's going into the rotation. And Waka, he's a starter. He's in there. Snell's a starter. Darvish is a starter, right? And then Lugo or Martinez will be a starter. Maybe both. Maybe they'll go with the six-man when Musgrove comes back. But Weathers, he's just kind of on the bottom of just on that rotation depth, I guess. Guys that are in on the big league club. So it's nothing that he's done wrong. It's just, you know, Bob Melvin, he was talking about how Tapia, he didn't do anything wrong. They just wanted, like, a fresh arm. Because he pitched a lot the day before, I believe, they sent him down. Kinnear came up, right? Kind of like that. I mean, Weathers can be on the roster. He's pitched well. It's not like he's pitched bad. And it's like, yeah, easy decision. I mean, he, he, can be on the, he deserves to be on the roster. Only way he won't be on the roster when Musgrove returns is if the Padres decide, hey, we need Ryan Weathers to continue to be built up as a starter. He's not get those innings at the big league level. So we're going to send him to El Paso to keep string games, to keep going six innings and going a couple innings maybe out of the bullpen, right? Yeah, so that was the, that was the comment from Ryan. What was your moves to expect? I think Dixon will go down. All right, I'm going to get back to the chat. Obviously, look, the offense... No run, second shutout on Monday. Uh, 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. And it's bad because they went 0 for with runners in scoring position. But it's also bad because it's not like the 10 run. They had they had over 10. They went 0 for 4. They didn't have very many opportunities with the runners in scoring position. That's that's what hurt. Right. You get more runners in scoring position, you would think that your chances of scoring will go up because you're going to get more chances to do so. Uh, but Soto and Manny that night combined to go 0 for 7. Crony went 0 for 4. Kim went 0 for 4. Can't have that. And then I think it was, well, it was Tuesday, right? Soto was the first hit of the game for the Padres, and it was like the sixth inning. That can't happen. That cannot happen. This offense has to be better if they want to go win the division, if they 
want to obviously be a playoff team, if they want to be anywhere near a World Series, they just have to get consistent. And the good news is we've got a long way to go. We played how much of this season? What, we're 20 games in right now, 9 and 11? So we've played a little over 12% of the season. And there are some people freaking out, oh, this team's not going to win the World Series. They don't have it. This offense sucks. Might suck right now, but 12% of the season. That's nothing. Nothing. All right, I'll get back to the chat. Quick break here. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. This is not Padres, but holy cow, Mad Bum just got DFA'd by the Diamondbacks. That guy sucks now. Like, no velocity. What happened to him? Signed that big contract with the D-backs. Giants didn't want him back, and man, he sucked. The Padres, didn't they face Mad Bum for like four or five years in a row, it felt like, on opening day? Maybe it was three years in a row? And they just teed off on that guy. That was batting practice. So, not not surprising. He's made like $71 million since signing in 2020. A five, five plus ERA. ERA over five. Terrible. I'm already seeing this stuff on social media instead of mad bum, mad gone. Yikes. I wonder who pick him up. I don't think the Padres would be interested in him. All right, let's get to the chat. Pedro says, Fernando is going to show what baseball has been missing, that sizzle and excitement that not even Judge or Otani can give you five to a player like Willie Mays or healthy Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he'll, you know, at the end of his career, if he will end up on that same level as those guys. But yeah, he's... Dude, this guy's ridiculous. I mean, the home runs that he hit in the past, I know that's AAA, but that's ridiculous. An average AAA player does not do that, right? An average major league player probably doesn't do that. He's just super, super talented. He's a shortstop playing right field, so he's going to do some really, really amazing things in right field as well. Pedro says, definitely big win yesterday to take the head to head to head uh, season matchup in case of playoff implications. Yeah, that is big. I, I didn't think of that in the moment, but yeah. I mean, I was thinking more about, well, the homestand, it was two and five. I know the Brewers, the Braves, those are teams that are trying to make the postseason this year, but we're trying to not just make the postseason. We're trying to go way longer than that. So they got playing better than they did, like two and five. It's unacceptable. But yeah, taking the optimistic view, yeah, they they won the season series what four to three, because they took three out of four in Atlanta, took one at Petco. Braves three, so. Yeah. Devin says Chris Matt went on the fake IL stint. I think they want to keep him, but I doubt he'll stay whenever Spores comes back. That's what I. That's my reaction to Chris Matt. Yeah, if anyone missed it, he went on the IL yesterday. Um. 
what was it, hip hip strain or something? And I guess it had been bothering, at least that's what Bowmel said. You can believe it or not, but Bowmel was saying like it's kind of been lingering. The pitches really moved the way that they wanted them to. I'm not a pitching coach. So I, I don't really understand that. Maybe his hip was preventing him from getting enough chin or something on his pitches. I don't know. That's just what Bowmel was saying. But yeah, I think, look, I, he was out of options, and Padres, I think they still believe in him. So they wanted to keep him on the roster. So they say, we'll put you on the I.L. And when you come back, go on a rehab assignment that allows to keep you longer. And then maybe he proved to them there that I'm back to being who I am, and I'll just end up calling him up at some point. Matt says, just having a discussion about their weaknesses isn't jumping off the bandwagon. It's called assessing reality. Tatis lengthens the lineup, but there are still four to five black holes, kill rallies. Yeah, I mean, right now you could say about four or five black holes, but I think when guys are clicking, there's going to be maybe like two or three, maybe bottom of the order, catching position maybe. Uh, when Tatis isn't playing, maybe the right fielder. Maybe Matt Carpenter, if he continues to struggle or Cruz, if he gets in a slump, you know, he, someone's always going to be in a slump. I think. I don't think the lineup's going to be. Everyone's going to be clicking, like at the same time, probably. So, yeah, um, probably three. When most of the lineup is clicking, you know, probably July, August. Check in then and see how many black holes there are in the lineup. But yeah, I agree, Matt. Having a discussion about their weaknesses is not jumping off the bandwagon. I don't think that's what Manny was trying to, to say. Like, you can't discuss our, or criticize us. That, that's not, I don't think that's what he was saying because earlier in the year, he was like, yeah, I like the booze. I'm fine with the booze. That's accountability. The fans care. Saying something to that, that that's not a quote. But that, that's his viewpoint on it. That's what it was earlier in the year. In this quote, you know, don't, you better not come back on when we're, eff, when we're effing raking, we're doing, we're doing our job, essentially. We're doing what we're supposed to do. He's just saying that to those that are, like, going way out there, like, going over the line. They're not just discussing the weaknesses and saying they need to be better. They're saying, I don't believe this team. This team's not going to do anything like those people. Like, okay, you're off the bandwagon then. Don't come back on. I think that's what he's talking about. And maybe, I don't know who, maybe it was AC. He loves to get at AC in those post- post-game uh, interviews, scrums. Maybe it was AC that asked the question about struggles and the fans being disappointed. And maybe just the way the question was framed got Manny pissed off. I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I don't know who asked that question. I didn't see the video of it. Pedro says, here's a good one, Ben. Do you think this criticism will push Soto out of a Padres uniform? Speculation says he prefer, prefers the East Coast. I don't think so. I mean, wherever he goes, I think it's going to be at, in a, to a market that cares about baseball. So there's going to be criticism wherever he goes. He's Juan Soto. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to the money, like, He's not going to go sign with like the Kansas City Royals or the, I guess they'll probably still be the Oakland A's at that time, right? 
I think 2027, I think, is when the A's are probably going to be in Las Vegas, which sucks. I mean, as San Diego sports fans, right, Charger fan, ex-Charger fan, don't worry, I'm not a Charger fan now. Definitely not anymore. But I can definitely feel for them. Uh, at least that owner is, like, paying for it with his own money. Um, but, yeah, can definitely feel for them. But, I like, he's not going to, getting back to Soto. He's not going to the Oakland A's, right? He's going to go to a contender, probably a big market team that has the money. So the big markets, they it comes with criticism, especially when you're on a contender and you have the attention on you. And if he prefers the East Coast, okay, then he prefers the East Coast. If he goes and plays for the Mets, there's going to be probably more criticism on him there than here or the Yankees or, yeah, I don't see him going to the Yankees, but I'm just throwing that out there. There's going to be a lot of criticism on him wherever he goes. So I don't think the criticism is what will push Soto out of a Padres uniform. He's not going to sit there and say, oh, they criticize me on sports radio or on podcasts in, in San Diego. Fans on Twitter, they're mean to me. I'm not signing there. If he struggles in New York or wherever he goes, if he doesn't come back to the Padres, you think he's not going to get mean stuff? Of course he is. Yeah, sorry about the internet. I, I thought it was going to work better. Hopefully it is now. I haven't seen anything on my screen, any issues, so hopefully it's working better now. I thought it was supposed to work better, but because it was right when I moved it closer to me, but I, I guess, guess not. Yeah, Devin, what do you think about the A's moving to Las Vegas, Ben? I I don't like it. Um, I understand it, but the A's fans, the attendance is not the problem. It's the, the team not willing to invest in a, a better stadium, not willing to get that process. You know, like they were, it felt like they were using Oakland, like, well, Vegas is here. You better pay up, blah, blah, blah. And the, the process just continued to drag on and drag on and drag on. And Oakland was just tired of it. And Vegas is appealing to the A's. I, yeah. Um, I don't know a whole lot of info about that. But the A's fans are not the problem. Just like Charter fans weren't the problem with San Diego. They were not the problem. If the A's like actually cared about winning and they were spending money, and there weren't possums in the broadcast booths and all that, like they actually cared, then probably more fans would have showed up and they would have got more money. But so my, my, my view on that is it's on them. This is all on the A's organization. And I definitely feel for A's fans. Definitely. Uh, it's, there's probably a lot of A's fans that are crying right now. Um, I know I was when the Chargers left. It definitely hurts when a city, not a city, sorry, an owner, a franchise that has been here for a long time, they just decide, yeah, we don't really care about you. No, we're, we're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, that, that hurts. Yeah, I saw that, Devin. Scherzer got ejected for the sticky, sticky substance yesterday. Little payback from trying to get uh, to roast the Padres. Yeah, uh, Buck Showalter 
Yeah, so he goes and has the umpires totally dress down Musgrove, essentially, in the wildcard series. And then yesterday, Scherzer gets tossed. He says it's rosin and sweat, and that's just sticky. There's sticky stuff there. I have more thoughts on this, and I will have a video out on this later on my MLB YouTube channel, Baseball Struck. I recommend you check that out. Daily baseball content there. Um, kind of my thoughts on it is just like, the umpires, they need to be clearer. They need to announce to fans, to the TV audience, what is going on. Why is this guy getting ejected? Instead of all of us kind of just assuming stuff. And there's a gray area. Like some umpires will say, yeah, too sticky. Stickiest, like the umpire yesterday, I think Phil Cuzier, or maybe it was Bellino, Dan Bellino, he's the crew chief, saying that this is the stickiest we've ever felt someone. But maybe another umpire has felt someone stickier. So, like, there's no, like, firm, okay, this is why, you know, if, if you reach this level, you're ejected. No, it, it feels like it's just based on the umpire, and that's not fair to the pitchers, I, I, I don't think. All right, I want to get to some other Padres notes here. So, Musgrove, obviously, like I talked about, a little bit earlier, returning on Saturday, that should only help. I, I think, look, the offense is the main issue. So even if Musgrove returns, he could go seven innings and give up one run. He could do the Ryan Weathers the other night, give up, go what, six innings and have a great start. And the offense doesn't do anything and the Padres lose. That could happen. But it's, it's going to help the team because he helps the rotation. He's one of the best pitchers on the Padres. And that helps the bullpen out because someone's being sent to the bullpen and it's not going to be snow. So all of the other options to be sent to the bullpen, they have all done well, I think pretty well in the rotation so far. So like Martinez, uh, he's done. Okay. Weathers has done. I think he's outperformed our expectations of him. They're going to help out the bullpen. If Lugo goes down there at some point, he's been, he was the second best Mets reliever last year. Buck Walter trusted him and Edwin Diaz. That was pretty much it last year. Um, who else? Yeah, Martinez, if he goes down there, we know he's had success there. So Musgrove helps the rotation, but this will also help the bullpen too because it adds someone into that bullpen that has been up and down so far this year. So I'm definitely excited for the Musgrove return. The Tatis return, in terms of like what should we expect tonight, uh, at least one hit. He'll probably get some action in right field. He's playing right field, leading off probably. I'm talking about like balls hit to him. Probably get some action there. We'll see if someone tries to run on him today. Maybe run around second base and a single is hit and they try to run or on third, sack fly, try to run on him. We'll see what happens there. The fan reception I'm interested in seeing, like how many Diamondbacks fans are going to show up to boo him. Or is it going to be more Padres fans? Are we going to notice more cheers than boos? To be honest, I feel like we will. Because from what I'm seeing on social media, there's a lot of Padres fans that are going to be traveling up there to Arizona. And they're flying there or they're driving there, maybe took today off. Maybe they took today and tomorrow off and just went to Arizona for four days. Or at least that's what they're going to do. So I think there's going to be a ton of Padres fans there. And there's, we know that there's Padres fans in Peoria. So they'll definitely come. Like, this is definitely a game that you go from Peoria to, what is it, Phoenix, wherever Chase Field is. You, 
that's definitely a trip that you make for the Tatis return, right? Um, so I think we're going to hear a good amount of cheers in that broadcast tonight when we're all sitting at home watching this Padres game. Uh, so that's kind of my fan reception expectation. There's going to be booze. There will. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as like Dodger Stadium this year, especially and Philadelphia and when they go to New York with the Yankees, right? It's not going to be that bad, I don't think. Uh, Chris Matt obviously hit the IL. I don't think the Padres want to give up on him yet. So he probably does have a little bit of a problem with the hip, but I don't think that's totally why he's on the IL. He's just out of options, and that's a way to keep him in the organization for now. Luis Camposano on the IL, left thumb strain, has a wrap on his left hand. I believe the last uh, series reaction show, Campy did not, he was not put on the IL yet. I believe he, put, he was put on the IL, I think, Monday. Brett Sullivan was called up, and then he started on Tuesday. Campy, it felt, I mean, according to him, it felt like it was going to be maybe a couple days, a few days just off, and it wasn't going to be that big of a deal. But now that he has a wrap on his hand, it feels like it's going to be a delayed process. I don't know if it'll, if he'll have to go do rehab games or if he'll just do some simulated games maybe um, or just catch a lot of bullpen sessions and he'll be good to go. Uh, but it's obviously, it, it sets it back, right? It sets the campy maybe starting timeline back because going into that, what, Brave series? Um, or it's actually when the, just when the Padres came back home. Campy was going to get the same amount of playing time as Nola. That four-game series against Milwaukee last weekend, it was going to be Campy two games and Nola two games, but Campy got hurt, so it ended up being Nola catching that Sunday game for Darvish instead of Luis Camposano. I would have been interested in seeing Campy catch for Darvish. That would have been definitely interesting. Or maybe, I don't know if that was the plan for Campy to catch Sunday. I thought it was. I thought they were going to go every other day in that four-game set. Um, I thought, but, but maybe, maybe Bomel, he would have had Nola continue to catch Darvish, didn't want that yet. And he would have had Campy catch Saturday, but obviously the thumb thing got kind of re-aggravated on Friday when he played Thursday was when he jammed it, warming up Nick. So didn't think it was going to be that big of an issue and it might not, but Campy is losing starts right now, uh, because he's just not available. I'm not saying like he's going to lose starts when he comes back, but I don't expect the Padres to you know make him the starting catcher right when he comes back. He's going to have to earn that. So it's just delaying that process of him potentially being the starting catcher, which I think most Padres fans want just to see what he can do as the, the main consistent starting catcher because Nola's just obviously not getting it done right now. Uh, I think he's been a little bit better at the plate. Brett Sullivan, I think, is a, a, a pretty good backup catcher. He spent like eight years in the big leagues. Or not big leagues, sorry. Eight years in the, the minor leagues. So he's definitely gone through it, and he didn't give up. So I'm definitely happy for Brett to be able to come up to the big leagues. So we'll see what happens with the catching situation. Obviously, it's a bummer that Campy's not playing right now. Hopefully, at some point next week or so, he'll be able to definitely start some more baseball activities and he'll be good. 
and then we can start seeing him some more games. Uh, again, don't know if a rehab assignment is going to happen or not, but that's the latest there on Luis Camposano. Um, I'm seeing a ton of people retweeting Fernando's tweet today. I think he pretty much said, what a beautiful day in Spanish. So he's excited. Yeah, I'm seeing some of the hype videos going around. We're, we're excited. The fan base is really, really pumped up for this. As they should be. As they should be. He, Tatis is a game changer i mean i'll pull up this quote that i posted on instagram today this was from an article from kevin ac jake cronenworth was speaking to him and he said he brings something talk about tatis crony saying this he brings something that really no other player in the league does he's a spark he's relentless energy throughout the game it's a guy you can feed off of at any point in the season having him at the top of the lineup doing what we know he can do I think if anything, it's going to give us a fire under our butts. And feels like right now the Padres could could use this, right? Use this spark because nine and eleven is not the record we expected through twenty games of the season. But the good thing is it's early. Padres offense has been slumping, not doing so great. But I think tonight it's going to be hard for Padres players in that lineup to not have energy and not want to go blow the doors off of the Diamondback tonight in Fernando's return, right? So maybe it does help, but at the end of the day, like, are you going to be able to sustain that energy throughout the rest of the season? The other, what? What are we, so we're 12%, so the other 87, over 87% of the season, a little over 12% of the season we're into right now. Are you going to be able to sustain that energy, right? Tonight, you should definitely have energy. Are you going to be able to sustain that? We'll see what happens there. I think Tatis will only help that. If he can stay healthy, I think he can get to 120, 130 games. He's already missed 20, so the max he can get this regular season is 142. They're not going to play him every day, but I think with the surgeries, he's as healthy as he's been since, what, like his rookie year probably? 2020 maybe? Um, I think this is the best chance that Tatis can stay healthy for a full season that he's eligible to play. Like obviously he can't he hasn't played the full he can't play the full season this year. But starting now, I think this is the best chance for him to stay healthy so far in his uh career. All right. Another break here to tell you about underdog fantasy. And I'll give you some underdog picks after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest, where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. 
After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, so I'm looking on Underdog right now, and the picks higher lower tonight. Fernando Tatis Jr., two total bases, higher or lower. Who thinks that Fernando is going to have higher than two total bases tonight? I think there's a good chance of that happening. Um, if it was, you know, one and a half, I'd probably be a little bit more confident because if he only gets two total bases, then you don't win anything because it's higher or lower. But he could definitely do that. I mean, double maybe in his first at bat. I can definitely see that happening. I can definitely see that happening. Or a homer in his return. He did that, I think, in 2021, right? Off of Walker Bueller. So I can see that happening. Um, Xander Bogarts, half a single tonight, higher or lower? I'd probably just continue to go higher on Bogarts. I mean, I know he doesn't have a 20-game hitting streak, but a lot of those games where he's gotten on base have been from hits, right? Let me look at... I haven't looked at his game log. I'm going to look up Xander's game log right now. And see... How many games? I, look, this is singles. It's not a hit. So if he doubles, I don't think it counts. I think it's just singles only. Um, but just looking at hits. So out of the 20 games that he's gotten on base, 18 of those, he has gotten a hit. 18 of the 20 games, he has at least gotten one hit to start off the season. I'd say that's pretty dang good, huh? Pretty good. Uh, Matt says, what's the pitching matchup tonight? Ryan Nelson is on the mound for the Diamondbacks. And Michael Walker is on the mound for the Padres. The higher lower for him strikeout-wise is four for Waka. One and a half walks allowed, 92 and a half pitch count. Higher or lower on those? I'd probably go higher on the strikeouts, just barely. Higher on the walks. Because walking two guys, that's not a lot of walks. And then 92 and a half, I'd probably go higher on that. I mean, Waka, he's someone that can work pretty deep in the games. Last two starts, he's thrown more than 92 pitches. That's just my two cents there. So, yeah, that's the pitching matchup, Matt. Nelson and Waka. All right, before we get out of here, as always, some San Diego sports stuff here. The San Diego Wave. Last night, first game of the Challenge Cup. 
which is an in-season tournament. So these games do not count towards the NWSL, the Waves' regular season record. Like, so if they go 6-0 and in these first six Challenge Cup matches, that's not going to matter. That's not going to, like, help them make the playoffs this year. That just helps them in the Challenge Cup, like an in-season tournament. It used to be in the preseason. Now it's running at the same time during the regular season. Uh, not all, not all throughout the season, but first six games, I believe, are the like kind of like regular season of the tournament. And then after that, there's the semifinals, and then the final, and there's a million dollar prize pool money uh, for the semifinalists. So they they split that up. Um, wave one last night, they beat the Portland Thorns one nothing. Uh, Jane Shaw scored. Now it was on an own goal. Um, it hit off of one of Portland's defenders and then went in. So it wasn't like the the, the cleanest goal or right? the, the best highlight. But hey, a win is a win. You're gonna take it. You're gonna take the three points. And the wave now overall this season, they improved to two. No, no, no. Three, because three wins. They won the first two games of their of their season at home. Three and one. No, no draws yet. So three and one so far. They lost to OL Reign last weekend. They have a match this weekend, uh, I believe, against Angel City up in LA. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that's going to be a great environment um, in LA for that one. Uh, Alex Morgan did not play a whole lot. She entered late in the second half. They're, she, she, Naomi Gurma, they didn't play the whole game either. They're not going to play the whole game for all of these Challenge Cup matches because they're trying to get ready for the World Cup. They've had a lot of matches recently because they had two friendlies um, against Ireland in the United States away from the wave during the international break. Then they came back and played last weekend in Seattle for the wave against Ola Rain. So that's three matches in like seven, eight-day period. Like, that's a lot. So they, they weren't going to play a full 90 minutes last night in Wednesday night's match. Just like Sophia Smith did, for Portland did not play all 90 minutes there. They're gonna, their priority is still on the regular season matches, at least early on here in the Challenge Cup games. Their priority early on is the regular season matches because those actually you know help them make the playoffs where the challenge cup you could win the challenge cup and suck in the other regular season matches and not make the playoffs so there's the update there on the wave and then i'll get back to the chat here to end this episode uh game effect that's would you move carpenter to first and crony to second um no not on an everyday basis because I like the Carpenter Cruz DH platoon. Carpenter, he's like 37. I don't know if that's the best for him to be playing every day, especially when he's struggling at the plate. It's not like he's hitting 400 or he's doing he's like having Xander Bogarts' stats, right? Where he's getting on base every game and having a hit in 18 of the 20. He's not doing that. He, he's He's scuffling at the plate. So I would not do that right now. Maybe later when he's hot. But I would not do that right now. I like having Kim at second. Um, having Crony at first. Crony has been great at first base. Finally, it's great to have a first baseman that can stretch and someone that's athletic. 
Um, <laughs> I think we all know who I'm talking about. That was not. It's great to have that. He made a great diving play the other day. Um, had another pretty good play yesterday, I think, to his right. But I'm talking about the diving play he made in one of the night games. I think it was maybe the first game of the series against Atlanta. Diving down the line. He, he's not someone that's going to just give up playing when the game is out of reach, when it's 8-1 to one or 6-1. to one. He's not going to stop playing hard. And that's what part of what you got to love about, uh, about Crony um, and about some other guys on this team. There, there's a lot of guys that love to play. They want to play every day. They don't like having those days off. Uh, Pedro says that Dennis Rodman daughter is a baller. Um, yes, I I understand people are going to say, yeah, that's Dennis Rodman's daughter. Some people will think of her as that. But no, her name's Trinity Rodman. Yes, she is. She's amazing. Um, yeah. She's definitely making her name for herself. She's not just a player in the league that is known as Dennis Rodman's daughter. At least hopefully she's not for most soccer fans. Yeah, she's known as Trinity. Like, I, I, I don't think of her any... I used to, like, first when I started following, of like, oh, okay, that's Rodman's daughter. And basketball fans probably think about her as that, or if they even know that she plays professional soccer. But she's on the U.S. women's national team. She's arguably the best player on the Washington Spirit. She is really, really good. So, um, yeah, of course, I'd love Trinity to be with the Wave, but I don't think Washington wants to lose her. But, yeah, she's tremendous. Trinity Rodman, she's going to be on the national team. She's going to be on the World Cup roster. She might be starting because of, uh, unfortunately, Mallory Swanson's injury that she suffered during one of the international matches, uh, the friendly against Ireland. I think it was the first one a couple Saturdays ago. Man, that, that injury sucked to watch. But yeah, Trinity's probably going to benefit from that. Uh, Brisk asks, when do you think we will see Tatis at shortstop? I don't, I don't know how many times we will this season, to be honest. I feel like this year, they really want him to get comfortable at right field. And Bogarts, I mean, he's someone that plays pretty much every day. And if he's not playing every day, Kim can play. So maybe it'll have to be a matchup thing. Maybe Kim is really slumping. They want to give Bogarts a day off, as you know, maybe a half day off. Maybe Tatis would play short then. But he's doing. it feels like he's doing most of his work in right field. And he is focused on right field. So if I had to put a number on it, I'd say if he's healthy and everyone else is healthy, obviously, I'd say probably less than, definitely less than 10, maybe even less than five games this year. Not a lot. Game effect, Tatis over or under two and a half hits today. I'm going to go under because two hits is still probably a good day for him tonight. So I'll just say under on that. I think that's a pretty easy under even though I might look like an idiot and he has like a four or five hit game. And I wouldn't be, maybe he has three home run game like he had in El Paso. That's just how good of a talent he is. But I'll go under on that. All right. Thank you, everyone. Episode 386, Talking Friars. That is it. Ben Fadden signing off. Tatis Knight, it's here. He's back tonight. Cannot wait. I'll have the highlights and stuff, obviously, on social media, pregame thoughts here on this YouTube channel, postgame as well. Um, I appreciate everyone for their time today. Go Padres, and I'll talk to you all later.